KSIV now presents Encounter, a public service program of Bot Radio Network, dedicated to keeping you informed about the issues that affect your life. Now, here's today's Encounter broadcast. Welcome to Encounter. I'm Stacy Washington, and I'm filling in today, and it's so exciting to be with you and to welcome our guest, Pastor Greg Seltz, Executive Director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. Pastor Seltz, thank you for joining us today. It is great to be with you, Stacy. So in the age of COVID-19, as I've been jokingly referring to it, we have some really unique situations going on that present an opportunity for us as Christians to not just speak into the situation, but to live it out in such a way that people would wonder, how are you handling this like that? And maybe be drawn to Christ. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Christians should be thinking, this is how we live each and every day. I mean, there's there's things that come into people's lives that are uh, life-changing or life-challenging every day. Uh, maybe not to this extent, obviously, but at that moment, you're saying, okay, Lord, am I in your hands? Um, Lord, what what do you have in store for me? And we live with faith through all of those things, because we know that we have a Lord who lived, died, and rose again, so that we might live forever with him. So you have that kind of view of life, no matter what hits you on each and every day. So when the coronavirus hits everybody, uh, and maybe an, a, a great opportunity to say, wait a minute, uh, we live by faith every day. Faith, not fear. And that's an important thing for people to understand. That's just, that's who we get to be uh, when we have this Savior named Jesus Christ. So let's talk a little bit about the scriptures. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think you actually shared some verses for reflection in times of fear. And I think that is something that is happening that is, it's, it's palpable. People are afraid and their behaviors are exhibiting that the, the panic buying, the kind of hoarding of one particular item, namely the toilet paper. Um, right. the, the stories that have come out about people having the hand sanitizer, like 17,000 bottles in their, in their garage, and they had to donate them because it's illegal to do that in Tennessee, et cetera, et cetera. People are exhibiting a lot of fear behaviors. So what does God's word point us to? Because we've got to meditate on God's word if we want to banish emotions that are out of control. Right. And, you know, one of the favorite verses in, in our tradition, uh, Martin Luther, actually, you know, he was in all kinds of uh, trouble, if you will, throughout his life. And, and Psalm 46 was huge. And it's so basic because it says, God is our refuge and strength. And then it talks about how, you know, the earth giving way, the mountains being moved into the heart of the sea. When all of that is happening, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress then, not not before and after, but through it all. And so, you know, that's the first thing, trusting that, wait a minute, all this stuff is still in God's hands, and I'm in God's hands. And so, again, meditating on that, you know, reading the, the promises of what God says, you know, when Jesus says, because I live, you will live also. When you have that promise from a, a resurrected Savior, you know, you can start to face whatever the challenges are today. And that's the first thing, you know, immerse yourself in those promises and then realize that, wait a minute, there's a God in heaven who actually keeps his promises. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is start to live your life in the midst of this. We, we have a phrase that we're using here in D.C. When we talk about what it means to be a Christian is that you're a spiritual first responder. So a spiritual first, you know, first responders are people who run into the fires of, of, of tragedy and all that when everyone else is running out. Well, that's our mindset about all things in this world. We run into people's struggles, run into people's problems, run into people's lives when everyone else might be running away from it. 
Why? Because we trust there's a God who gets us through all that. So this is one of those moments to start to say, wait, we can be compassionate. We can be the kind of people who reach out to people. I know we can't have big parties and, and, and you know, more than 10 people, but we can make that phone call. We can knock on the door next door just to make sure people are okay. We can do those kind of things with the spirit of faith and, and not fear. And that's an amazing thing. And as Americans, Pastor Seltz, I have to point out that we have an amazing DIY ethic here in this country. And right. so this morning I was looking for, because we have some masks, we're, we're a little bit on the prepper side, a little bit rock and roll is the joke I like to make, because um, we're not crazy, like we don't have five years worth of stuff, but we have enough to satisfy the FEMA requirements. So we weren't like discombobulated when they said, hey, um, you might be sheltering in place for three weeks. I was like, we're good. <laughs> We're yeah, going to we be fine. Yeah, goods. yeah, we we got canned goods, and we we actually have like enough in our freezer. Praise God! But I I want people to kind of look beyond what pe- what they're saying. Stop just right. accepting as face value what the news is saying, and go into what what is common sense. Psalm 46, 1 through 3 and 10, 11 says, "God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear." Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. So when I read that scripture, what I hear is, okay, first of all, Stacey, get the fear out of the way. Then once the fear is out of the way, God can put new ideas and opportunities into my mind so that I can execute on what you just shared, Pastor Seltz. So if I want to go visit my neighbor, but I want to be within the confines of safety because we have immunocompromised people in in my family right here in our house. So I want to wear a mask, but maybe I don't. I don't want to use, like maybe we only have five masks, for example, then I want to, how can I replenish that? Well, there are ways to do that. If you go online, you can find ways to make a filtered mask yourself out of things that are not currently out of stock. So that means we don't have to be stuck in our homes. We can adhere to the rules, no more than 10 people at a time, but you can still visit that neighbor and see how they're doing or whatever it is that you feel like God has for you to do. And for Bible study, I'm, I'm used to going and meeting, but we've been right. meeting by phone. Um, for prayer, I'm used to going to the school and meeting. We've been having the prayer siege with Thrive here locally. We're, we're still able to do what God has for us to do. We just have to be creative, but we can't be creative if we're afraid. Well, and you know what you just said? Um, there's a scripture in Psalm 146, too, where it says, trust not in princes. You know, trust not in, in the things of man. And right now, the, the one danger, I think, is everyone's looking to Washington, D.C., for instance, to solve this problem, solve this problem. But the psalmist says in Psalm 46, too, he says, be still and know that I am God. So the first mm-hmm. thing is, like you said, faith, trusting in him, no fear. And when you, when you focus on God, the next thing he, God does to you is he redirects your attention out to your neighbor and says, now be my person to whom I'm going to uh, send into your life. And then you can do all the creative things that you were just talking about. You know, my wife's like you. She's, she's already saying, what can we do? What, what, what can we do so that we're going to have to depend on somebody else to do this? And then how can we do it for those that God has brought into our life? And I think that's just the basic way we live each and every day. But more so, like you said, in this uh, age of Corona uh, or COVID-19. <laughs> so so once you move out of fear, you could actually crack a couple of jokes. And I, I'm not talking about exactly. the kind of jokes that get you canceled out of Hollywood. I mean, just the natural <laughs> jokes that rise up, right? We're at home. Right. We're working. Now, I already work from home. Pastor Greg, okay. I work from home. Okay. okay. So mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of working from home, but my husband's now working from home. Uh-oh. The kids are home. Um, the, the teenager who's the only one left at home full time, she's home. 
um, Bentley, who's always here, he's our little conservative puppy. He's home. Um, he's always home. So we're all here together. And, and so it's time to crack some jokes and kind of, you know, lighten the mood a little bit. Otherwise, it's not going to be fun. And I just yeah. think if we, if we approach it with that attitude, yes, this is serious and we need to be prayerful. We need to be in our word. But we also need to spend time enjoying whatever we can enjoy because mm-hmm. God made us for that. He made us to enjoy the life he's given. Even in times of suffering and you know uncertainty, we can still find moments of joy that we can lift up our, our hearts and say, you know, for such a time as this, we're going to make it through this. God is able to carry us through. And it's an amazing thing you're just talking about. I mean, it, it's sad to me that people are looking for things like, you know, let's travel, let's, let's have this, let's have that. The biggest, the greatest joy always is your family. The greatest joy are those people in your life that you get to love. And at this opportunity, we actually have a pause. You know, we have a pause in our life, whether we like it or not. And there are some folks who are not appreciating this pause because they're really having to look at what really matters in life. Mm-hmm. And Google isn't going to save us through everything. Technology is not going to save us. We've got to have something else to say. We've got to have a love to share. We've got to have a commitment to fundamental things that really matter. And this is a great opportunity to exercise those things. So I'm like you. I mean, we're, we're going to have a little bit of fun today uh, because our family's close enough here in D.C. My wife's here. My daughter's come with a fiance. We're going to we're going to enjoy this day as as we go about, you know, we got to obey the rules because we don't want to violate um, what our president has told us is the right thing to do for our communities. But at the same time, we're going to make an opportunity to really enjoy this day uh, with family because you don't get that many days like this. Yeah. And and I think one thing that a lot of parents, especially if their kids are a little smaller. So you have you have the adult kids. I'm in the you know, they're soon to be out of the house full time, you know, forever type kids. And so it is different. But when your kids are smaller, it can feel a little more overwhelming. But I just encourage parents to remember that sometimes I feel like they were small because they're so close together in age. And then I woke up and now they're all adults. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that because I, I had a little twinge of this myself this week. My daughter's 30. We've been married 36 years. And it just like overnight, she went from being this little girl. We only have the one. Went from this little girl to this, this beautiful young lady with now this, this cool guy that she's getting married to. And I thought, wait a minute. You know, I, I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready for that moment. So, again, even this moment today where we're going to spend a little time, we're going to cherish it. And we're going to pray for people who are really struggling with this disease, too, and do whatever we can. And and that's what God has called us to do. So it's not all of one and nothing of the other. It's all in good time and using everything that God has given us wisely in order to deal with this situation. And I also want to remind people that, you know, this is America. We have been given this beautiful country and liberty by God. And many times in our history, we've faced these kinds of trials and tribulations, and he has brought us through them all and worked everyone out for our good. So as we're going here into the break, I want to remind listeners, we are so excited to have Pastor Seltz with us. Um, We are talking with him a little bit more after the break. We're going to come back with him, and we're going to have more to say. Pastor Seltz is the Executive Director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty, and I'm Stacey Washington. We will be back with more right after this. Welcome back to Encounter. I'm Stacey Washington, and I'm filling in today, and my guest is 
the executive director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty, Pastor Greg Seltz. And I just want to give you a quick update. The number to call in and join us on the daily prayer siege that happens at 8.30 a.m. Central Time every day is 314-627-6338. And the access code is 63141. And then you hit the pound sign and you're in. If the number is busy when you first call in, just dial right back and you'll be able to get in. It's 314-627-6338. And we're doing that prayer siege every morning at 8.30. Um, So right now, Pastor Seltz, we just kind of touched on the smidge, religious liberty, um, what that looks like in the age of Corona, as I've been jokingly calling it. Um, what, what do you think Americans should be focused on right now, especially if you're a person like me who believes that our religious liberty is something that we only get to keep if we practice it and preserve it? Well, that's exactly right. And what you were talking about before the break, uh, religious liberty isn't just an addendum. It's kind of a fundamental thing in the American experience. And the point was the founding fathers felt that the best thing to solve the big problems of life was not a, a government kind of worrying about it in some faraway place, but free, religiously motivated individuals who could actually uh, express their faith and their compassion and their love for one another freely. And, and so they, they would have said, you know, challenges like this are, are opportunities for you to, to be the citizen uh, and the neighbor that we um, constitutionally enshrined for you so that that these kind of issues could not overwhelm our nation. And so I just think people don't understand this. This liberty was meant to be exercised, especially religious liberty, too, uh, for the sake of our neighbors. They really believe this is the way to actually solve our problems. Free people uh, acting, uh, you know, out of that compassion and out of that religiously motivated faith uh, to put their vocations and talents to work. And you're seeing that happen all over the place. You're seeing private enterprise you're seeing businesses rise to the occasion they're saying hey we're gonna we're gonna all chip in and we're gonna make this thing happen and then we have to look to our neighbors because that's when we can actually care for each other person by person neighborhood by neighborhood so it's a powerful thing and it's a powerful tool that i really am thankful we have in this country because a lot of places don't have it well a lot of places don't have it and a lot of countries look to us and they really are they they longingly wish for the type of environment that we have and when they try to replicate it like one one example is the the eurozone or the the you know the the EU the European Union where they join together as a bunch of individual countries to try to make something like what we have which is the United States the problem is they don't share a common language and culture and they weren't formed like that as individual laboratories, they actually are individual countries that have their own histories and all of that. And so they don't operate in the same way that we do. So there is no way to cobble together something that God created and ordained like what we have here in America. And so and when I look at the scripture, um, Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through 20, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God is so clear in his word over and over and over again. He says, do not fear. I am with you. I've given the enemy into your hand. We couldn't serve a more positive God. So when you couple those two things together, the freedom and liberty that he's given us in this country, his intimate relationship with us and his desire to work everything out for our good, then that puts us in a place of true authority as Christians where we can literally say, I can operate crisis and do things that other people can't do because God is for me and I'm serving him. 
And, you know, it's great. And then Jesus even uh, says, it, it goes one further and says, I'll even tell you how to, to, to in, get involved in these kind of things. Remember when he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what mm-hmm. is God's. What he's saying there is, I work two different ways. The Father works to preserve the world. I'm come to save the world. And so he, give, he gives us wisdom as to how to engage some of these policy issues, and then the wisdom to talk about how we engage these really faith-serving life issues. And the Founding Fathers really got that differentiation, too. They put the federal government on the bottom of, of uh, the, our kind of organization and put the individual citizen on the top, and that was for a reason. They were, they were differentiating the preserving work of God and the saving work of God. And so, again, when we, when we talk about that, Jesus says, I've got all the authority. Now get involved in this world and use my wisdom, differentiate my preserving and saving work, and get out there and be a blessing to people. And I just think that's such an exciting way to live because every day you're going to wake up and you're going to have a new neighbor that God brings into your life or a new challenge that God brings into your life. And you say, well, let's put this wisdom to work. And, and so I'm, I'm like you, that we've been given the liberty to do that. I don't want to give that liberty away to anybody, but I do want to exercise it properly, like you just said. And what an exciting opportunity. So, Pastor Seltz, let's talk a little bit about, I, I saw cries of, you know, oh, religious persecution when the first edicts went out that we need to not gather right. in groups of more than 50, and now it's down to 10. Um, and it's, it's a blanket declaration, so it's for every organization. It's not just churches, it's gyms, it's, you know, schools, it's any, any organization. So the only things that are going to be left open are pharmacies and uh, grocery stores. Right. So at that point... It's not really an infringement on our religious liberty if they're not saying only churches can't gather. And I know people are just reacting because the government has been a little out of sorts these past 10 years or so. But um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's good for us to be specific and correct in our um, analysis of what's happening out of Washington, D.C., right? And I think you're, you're right, because I'm getting a lot of letters on that. That's, that's what I do here in D.C. We're always talking about how do we apply our faith and the wisdom of the Scripture to some of these issues. And so I'm getting people saying, well, wait a minute. If the government tells us we can't worship, isn't that a fundamental, you know, the, the First Amendment gives us the right to exercise that. And I think there's, there's a tension there. there. There are two verses in the Scripture. Romans 13 says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, because they, they have a role that God has asked them to play to preserve this world. And then Acts 5, uh, where the apostles are called, to, you know, they're really told to, to deny their faith. They say, well, we've got to obey God rather than men. So there's always going to be a tension here. I would just say it this way. I mean, if this is something for two to three weeks, um, this is a temporary thing. It's, it's for the sake of, uh, of the culture so that it doesn't overwhelm us. We have to be uh, vigilant here and say, you know, the Lord may be doing a, a preserving work through the government here, and we need to learn how to honor that. And we need to adapt for these next three weeks to that, find different ways to share the gospel with each other, pray with each other over the phone. Um, in our tradition, pastors actually bring the church to people. We don't just do it via Internet and things like that. We actually make calls and stuff. And so we'll continue to do that within the parameters that, that have been expressed to us. But if this happens for a year, you know, if this goes on for, you know, like an hmm. unlimited extended amount of time, then it comes down to, is worshiping and gathering together around the gifts of God, is that a fundamental right or not? You know, if food is a fundamental thing and, and medicine is a fundamental thing, I'm telling you right now, your spiritual faith in God is a fundamental thing, and our founding mm-hmm. fathers believe that. And to treat that as if it's a secondary issue, that would probably start to be something where I'd say, wait a minute, I don't know about this. Um, you know, So again, right now, with the three weeks, maybe a month, 
kind of thing like this temporary thing. But if it comes to a point where they're saying we're going to lock this stuff down, and especially churches because they have lots of people gathering, you know, that day might come when we might say, well, we, we need to obey God rather than men, but we're not anywhere near that day right now. So I love the fact, Pastor Seltz, that you have delineated that because uh, when I first saw the order, I was we were actually on a little group text chat thing with a bunch of moms that I'm on there with. And one of them okay. said, oh, I think they're going to shut down the churches. And I texted back, I'm going to church. <laughs> so, so then some of the other ones kind of put it the little shock face like, uh-oh, Stacy's getting like, what's wrong with Stacy?" And I was like, I'm sorry, but I'm going to church. So then I texted our pastor's wife and I said, you know, hey, what's happening this Sunday? Because I'm seeing texts and I don't like getting bad information. And she said, you know, stay, stay tuned here. Um, I think we're actually going to have online service only. And that's what ended up happening because our county executive called the biggest churches in town and said, hey, will you please have online only? Um, don't, don't gather in huge groups because I, I would prefer you not have groups greater than 250 people. And we have 10,000 people at our church over three services. So that wouldn't work. Well, right. so then that took us into a place where we're, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, so what's going to happen long term? And I felt a piece that, as you've explained, if it's short term, then it's fine. But if yep. they were to suddenly say, we're never going to allow anybody to get together in groups larger than 50, I'd have a problem with that. And I would be ready to defy an order like that. I think that's not what God has for us. Well, and see, in our tradition, uh, we talk about the real presence of God in worship in a way that a lot of traditions don't. And, and there's only so much you can do virtually. You know, there comes a point where literally gathering and, and receiving the gifts of God in person, it, it was always like that. And you have to understand, I mean, this we've, we've done this gathering through all kinds of issues. There's been plagues and there's been challenges like this in, in uh, communities before. And, you know, one of the things that def- defined Christians was they still were willing to risk things to, to love people in person. And, and that dynamic is something that if we ever are asked to give that up uh, for the sake of something— you know, for a time, you can you can find ways to modify it, you know. But if you're ever asked to fully give that up, and I mean, my whole schedule's been radically transformed. I, I've got, I had groups of 50 to 75, a couple hundred, you know, 500, you know. And so suddenly, every one of my speaking things, if it was a thousand people, it's done. You know, it's completely done. So I'm sitting here going, wow, I can't survive this. But, you know, if it's temporary, we all work together, that's one thing. But it's gathering around the things of God, eventually, that's got to be the thing that actually holds us. Mm. Well, you know, I, I have to say this is our first time getting to, a chance to chat. It has been such a pleasure to speak with you, Pastor Greg Seltz, Executive Director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. Uh, I, I just wish you the best this afternoon. God's blessings on your time with your daughter and her fiance. Thank you so much. Great to be with you, too. All right. And I'm Stacy Washington. It's been a pleasure to be with you again on Encounter on Bot Radio. Encounter is you and the issues, where the facts and opinions make you an informed citizen of St. Louis. Thank you for your participation. Let a friend know about this talk and issues feature of Bot Radio Network and KSIV. Then join us next time for Encounter. Encounter.